charged with the murder of his parents and two younger brothers. That's the latest from the WOR Newsroom. Lester Smith reporting. Over WOR New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. Here's Gene Shepard. Sage has said it. What the hell? I'm a great sage. Do you have any doubt that the uh, British Empire is in rapid decay? No, you don't. Okay, then you don't need any more evidence. Oh, you'd like to hear the latest evidence? London, a tobacco company, has designed the perfect gift for decadent... I, that's my word, the pipe smokers in Britain's damp climate. It is a miniature umbrella which clips to the side of the pipe bowl to keep tobacco dry during the fiercest of downpours. It is made of solid gold. It costs $833. There's where the decadence comes in. <laughs> you got it, huh? I knew you'd understand that. In spite of uh, having a bad head. Uh, oh, uh, yes, uh, speaking of bad heads, uh, a couple of nights ago we uh, we uh, quoted one of the great sages, and uh, I have to quote him again tonight, that said, uh, you probably heard that quote, caused a great furor. And the quote is this, some people are born talented. Others are born in New Jersey. But, you know, somehow that says it, really. 
It's just a trick of faith. An evil flip of the coin. That's the way it goes. And tonight, though, we have a couple of uh, developments in the, in the world of Jersey which we wanted to bring to you. And uh, here is one of them right here. Oh, for crying out loud, don't tell me. Did I leave anything in there, baby? Is there anything up there? Like a piece of paper? Nothing. Oh, I lost it. Oh, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah, oh, crying out loud. Where did it go? Nah, bah humbug. Gone forever. Where are you going? It's not here. Where are you going? Sorry. No, it's not here. But uh, I have one equally good, <laughs> which which I have to add to my 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 store of Jerseyana. You know the shepherd is is uh, is uh, now putting subdivisions in his vast store of uh, dynamic, uh, significant trivia. See, I, I'm not the kind of guy that collects uh, trivia, trivia. You know, like who played the third. Uh, uh, who played the third gangster on the left in the Humphrey Bogart's worst movie? I don't, you know, I don't give a damn about that kind because that isn't even trivia. That's impedimentia. There's a difference between trivia and impedimentia. It's <laughs> a nice word, but uh, uh, I collect, you know, the the kind of stuff that really says what our life is like, and that uh, that's generally called trivial in our time. Stuff which doesn't really affect our lives is called important. That gets on the front page of the New York Times. But this is the kind of stuff that really says it. For the, you know, for the people that are going to come later, like, uh, you know, 200 years from now, if they want to know what life in Jersey was like, how would they get it? From the front page of the uh, Bergen Record? Nah. No, no, not about life. All they'd know is about the, you know, uh, the political hassles of the day. But that has nothing to do with life. No way. Now, uh, compare that piece with this piece, for example, which comes from the Philadelphia Inquirer. We've often quoted the Inquirer. It's one of my favorite uh, humor papers. It's one of the last of the truly uh, uh, publishing ventures devoted entirely to humor, comedy. And uh, here in here's one of their uh, pieces. Paul Taylor, uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. You know Cherry. I've been in Cherry. That's outside of Philly. It's, it, but it's it, it's the quintessence of Jersey around there. Don't think for a minute that because it was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, it's about Philadelphia. No, no. The minute you get over that river and you're in Camden, you are in Jersey all the way. There is not even the slightest hint of Philadelphia over in Jersey. It's like pregnancy. You either are or you ain't. You either is in Jersey or you ain't. Right? Okay. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. When Mrs. Ruth Katz opened the package last week from Gibbsboro Mayor Yolanda Diraco, she thought she was dealing with a maniac. The package contained a sample of sewage. Did you hear what I said? Now, wait a minute. Now, now we got to go back. You didn't get perhaps the implication of this. Mrs. Ruth Katz opened a package from the mayor of this town, Gibbsboro, <laughs> Yolanda Duraco. She thought she was dealing with a nut. The package contained a sample of sewage. Now, what is sewage, friends? You better think about it. Mrs. Duraco had intended this to be sent as a practical joke to Camden County freeholder Lewis Katz. Somehow, 
in a screw-up in the mails, the package was mistakenly delivered to the home of Larry Katz. Uh, and uh, his wife opened it up with Cherry Hill, putting his wife, Ruth, through a day which he will not soon forget. <laughs> when I saw the dogs... We have dogs, you know, and when I first saw what was in the package, I thought it was one of our neighbors playing a joke. Mrs. Katz, 27, said, you realize why she brought the dogs into it, don't you, friends? Oh, you don't? Well, if that has to be explained, uh, you, are, you are not qualified to be taking this course, friend. Tonight, right? Anyway, she says, um, we have dogs, and when I first saw what was in the package, I thought it was one of our neighbors playing a joke, but the dogs are pretty well behaved. And then I read the letter, and I, I saw this name. It was the mayor, Rocco. I thought, some kind of a maniac. Mrs. Katz became so upset, she had her husband. <laughs> How would you like to get a package from the mayor of a town? <laughs> and it contains... <laughs> Think about it for a minute. It's got... Mrs. Katz became so upset, she had her husband, who was on business in Boston, fly home immediately. By the end of the day, I was half hysterical. I kept wondering what the sender would do next. I didn't believe it actually came from the mayor, and it was some evil person who was sending us bad stuff through the mail. Well, Mr. Katz, who works uh, in Philadelphia, got home late Thursday afternoon and then immediately phoned the Cherry Hill police. Well, it didn't take too long for the police to track down the source of the confusion. <laughs> Mrs. DiRocco was informed of the mistake. She was the mayor later that night, and phoned her apologies to the Katzes. She kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Over and over she said it, I'm sorry. Mrs. Katz said, Mrs. Duraco sent the letter after she and Freeholder Katz had a disagreement over sewage and water conservation policies in Cherry Hill. The package of sewage was accompanied by a letter which reads in part, and we quote, in an effort to please you in every way, we have enclosed a sample of our work, the best from Cherry Hill. We also guarantee each deposit to be wrapped to prevent any possibility of a mixture with inferior deposits. We would like to say, we've got class. No, and there was a four-letter word beginning with S and ending with T, as always, as always, a fellow Democrat, as always. Hold it, hold it, hold it, Al. Not that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's nice, but you reset that. That was the... Yeah, that's... A, we don't need one now. It's too late. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's my fault, not yours. Oh, da dun dun dun, dun. So, you know, it's a life in Jersey can be exciting, you know. You never know what you're going to get in the mail. And uh, we would like to also bring out another uh, the Jersey note here. Uh, for those of you who uh, would like to keep abreast of Jersey uh, culture, which is very important. Uh, you recall a few months ago we did a story about the, the proposed Jersey State song? I'm from New Jersey and I'm proud. I'm proud to be from the Garden State. Oh, Jersey, Jersey, J-E-R-S-E-Y. Jersey, Jersey, how I love you. Oh, beautiful Route 22, Route 46, I love you. You remember that great song? Well, we uh, uh, bad news tonight. Uh, Governor William T. Cahill said that, and we quote, in good conscience he could not sign legislation designing, ordaining, I'm from New Jersey, by uh, Joseph Mascara as the state song. He turned it down. And uh, so uh, we are going to be spared the 
sight of Jersey people walking around the street singing, Oh, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, I love New Jersey. Hooray for Plainfield and Route 22. Hooray for all the things that are good for you. Hooray for the Jersey Meadows. <laughs> so I have to say, Mr. Cahill, that's one of the better things you've done in your administration. I don't know much else of what you've done. I'm not a Jerseyite. But I must say, that was a step in the right direction. And it took courage. It took courage. Because if there's any state of the Union that appreciates good slob art, it's Jersey. And, uh, you know, that uh, that took courage. It's probably to lose you the next election, K.L. You've been having me call an un-Jersey move. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the song business, uh, yes, I'm not kidding. It probably will. You know, the song business gets very, uh, very tense. And uh, while on the subject of songs, have you heard the great uh, prune song uh, that's uh, being sent to you by the uh, California Advisory on Prunes? It's beautiful. Just listen. Dr. Jacobson is wanted for eternity. Uh, nurse, have you got anything on Say, fella, this your wife's face, baby? Yeah. Listen, don't worry. It's easy. My wife's our number five. Here, have a prune. <laughs> <laughs> now look, fella, there's nothing to it. Have another prune. <laughs> hey, nurse, this guy's hysterical. Mention prunes, and people just naturally break up. Uh, maybe they still don't know that pound for pound, prunes have more iron, niacin, and vitamin B2 than the six leading fresh fruits. And eight times the vitamin A of the most popular fresh fruit. Uh, they're even good for your complexion. It's about time people gave another thought to the California prune. The funny fruit that does so much for you. Hey, fella, look! You get three kids for the price of one. Have another prune. <laughs> I'll tell you what makes them act like that. I think it's the niacin does it to them. It rots your brain. Oh, yes, speaking of brain rotters, listen carefully. See the most torrid building of the Bible ever. See the temples of sin. See the fierce pagan rites. The harvest time sex orgies. The frenzied oversexed hate-filled mobs. See the naked, lust-maddened, shrieking hordes who try to keep the Bible from being made public. See it all in the most mammoth of all biblical spectaculars. See David and Seymour. Take the whole family and see it this Sunday, right after church. That's uh, rated LD. It's now playing at your local theaters all around town. What was the name of that movie? David and Seymour. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did. The crazed hordes that attempted to keep the Bible from being made public. Crazed hordes called pagans. Yes, sir. Pagans. And they were led by Attila the Hun. Off we go. By the way, speaking of Attila, this is WOR, New York. Yes, uh, give me a little echo chamber. You know how all these other stations on the dial... Wait, I'll, I'll tell you when now. You, ma- you know how all these other stations on the dial always tell you that they're a friendly spot on your dial, you know, the concerned family station, all that? Listen, uh, I want to... I want to... You know, I, I believe in tooting your own whistle, right? Blowing your own thing playing Dixie on your own bazoo. I, I believe in coming out and saying it. Yes, sir. Okay, I'll set in there. And this is W-O-R! W-O-R, New York! The King Kong of radio stations!
But, you know, speaking of state songs, if I may bring out, I'm going to tell you a story now, and many of you may find this story to be uh, particularly distasteful because it, uh, it deals in, uh, it deals in, in uh, basically aesthetics. That, that bugs people. Oh, yes, before we do that, we will do one more commercial. How about General Tire, huh? Listen, after that hair-raising story I told you the other night of Flick buying those bad tires through the... <laughs> General Tire stock went up 40 points. And uh, no wonder they're good tires. Uh, they make the tires you need, friend, and at prices you can afford. And they're real tires. Uh, you can choose from rayon, nylon, polyester. You know, the way they, they're making these tires, you're afraid someday you're going to have a run in your tires. Uh, rayon, nylon, polyester, cord construction, glass-belted new car tires, steel-belted radial tires, magnificent. And they're beautiful. They have sporty raised white letter tires. You know, they can have your uncle's name put on the side. Beautiful tires. And uh, you look for the big red G, the general tire G. And let's see, who would we suggest? Uh, how about in Norwalk? See, no, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, New Jersey. See Bob Gunther of General Tire Service, 400 Rawway Avenue. I bet none of you knew who Rawway was. Who it was named after. There was a Rawway, you know. You, you never heard of Alan Louis Rawway? Why they were, why? Yes, there was an Al and a Louis Rawway. And why it was named Rawway. Do you have any idea why, why the oranges were named the oranges? That's right, you don't know nothing. Live out there all your life, and you sit in your duff doing nothing. You don't know. That's right. How many people know who the Morris, that Morristown was named after? Who was he? Yeah, that's right. You know, who was the Secaucus that Secaucus was named after? And by the way, he sued for years trying to get him to take that name off. Uh, who was the Secaucus? There was uh, Secaucus, and he got bugged, boy, when they named that town after him. I'll tell you this. Who was Hackensack, after whom Hackensack was named? August Hackensack. It was Hackenshack. was an old German name. August Hackenshack. August at a cleaning shop. And uh, that, too, caused a little nastiness when they named the town after him. But, uh, you know, these, these things here, they come and go. And uh, we're not here tonight to, do, to lay history on you. However, I will say this. <laughs> I will, <laughs> George. Uh, you know, uh, well, now, now, wait a minute now. You, you guys take this so lightly. We, we walk around uh, and, and use these words. Now, Bruckner. All right, where was the Bruckner Boulevard? Who was that named after? You don't know, do you? Why do I know these things? You don't even know who Verrazano was. <laughs> I'll bet a lot of people think Verrazano was the name of a bridge. It was named after a Verrazano, right, now? You know that. All right, who was, who was uh, Gertel? Most people pronounce it Gothels, the Gothel Bridge. Yeah, who was that? Oh, you know that one. Aha, uh -huh. that's in your line, okay. Uh, who was Utopia, after whom the Utopian Parkway was named? Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Do you know that the word Utopia itself came from somebody's name? I'm not going to even discuss it with you. No, 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 no. That was Julius Utopia. It was Utopianus, actually. He was a Greek. He, he conceived of the idea of Utopia. 
His name was Utopianus. That's right. That threw you, didn't it? Uh-huh, that's right. You stick around with this spot on the dial, and you're going to learn, my God, more than you want to know about life. I'll tell you. Uh, now, now uh, we'll just pull other ones out of the... Uh, you take Bridgeport. Why did they call it Bridgeport? Okay, never thought of it that way, did you? How about New Haven? Well, what does the word haven mean? A place that you got away from the bad guys with, right? A haven. This was the New Haven. It was a haven. And the, what, what were they havening from? In other words, who were the bad guys that caused them to go seek a haven? All right, let's take Rhode Island. Who was Mr. Rhode? R-H-O-D-E. There was a road. And in fact, uh, his, his, the place where he was was called Rhodes Island. It was called that. It was an island that Mr. Rhode occupied. What are all those little things? They're always around us. Murray Hill. You know who Murray was. You've heard of the phone exchange and over here in the 30s. Murray Hill, whatever was a guy, had a farm named Murray. Murray's Hill, it was called. He was sitting right over there squatting among the pigs. And to this day, he's famous. Just because he squatted in the right place at the right time. <laughs> Which is the story of almost all famous men. But uh, nevertheless, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I don't know why I'm burdening you with this. This is boring. It really is. Well, it's boring me. If it isn't boring, you know, it's, uh, it is. Uh, I will say, no, 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 I will not continue this. I will say this, however, that the idea of Jersey uh, vetoing this, the state song has impressed me immensely. By the way, uh, the state song was beautifully recorded one time by a chorus of mechanical frogs. Uh, they, yes, I'm not kidding you. It was done in a, in a three-minute short <laughs> for television. And it was 275 singing electronic mechanical frogs. And they were all sick. Wop, wop, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, how I love it. Wop, 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 I'm from New Jersey. Uh, the Garden State. Route 26, we loved you at 22, too. It was kind of a nice song. I liked the way they did it. It was in color. Four-track stereo. Quadraphonic. But it's all over now. Jersey's got to go back to the, you know, those old tunes like the Star Spangled Banner and... And America the Beautiful and Columbia the Gem of the Ocean, all those old favorites. Uh, it's hard to get something off the ground. It really is. I think one of the reasons the Mets made is they got a theme song. You know? It's a terrible song, one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. It sounds like it was written by a group of third graders. But uh, <laughs> that's maybe what made the Mets big. Yeah. <laughs> The Yankees have never had a song. They got one, but it never got popular, really. How does it go? You know the title of the tune. You don't? All right. Got to have a theme song. Yeah, but you know, uh, I, I, uh, songs are tricky. One of the most embarrassing things that I ever had happen to me in my, uh, my somewhat uh, checkered career is one time when I was present and was asked to perform on the, the maiden voyage the debut of a crashingly terrible song. 
Now, I'll tell you how it happened. You want to hear this? It was one of the funniest things. If I, you know, I, I, for those of you who are curious about my writing, I've gotten some uh, letters from people about uh, my new book, by the way, uh, Ferrari in the Bedroom, some strange letters. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't read it, maybe you, you, you well, if you, if you have read it, you probably know why. If you haven't, you don't know why. But nevertheless, they're great letters, see? And from all over the country, you know, when you write a book, uh, it's not local. Remember this. I, I'm not writing this book for New York. It's, it's a book. You know, I've written a, just like Faulkner writes a book. See, and and you get letters from all over. I got a fantastic letter from a uh, a a reader, by the way, in in West Germany, who had picked this up in English, and was was asking me some very curious uh, questions. Like, for example, he said, "Could you explain to me what is meant by the term the Garden State?" <laughs> well, we know, you know. <laughs> so that's why writers need footnotes like James Joyce. You know, in the end, probably when that's finally translated into the Greek and a hundred years from now, there will be scholars who will try to determine what Shepard meant by banana-filled Twinkie. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there will be long discussions. See, that the, They won't even know what a Twinkie is by then. But uh, if you're curious, the book is called A Ferrari in a Bedroom, and you'll know why they're writing those strange letters but nevertheless i i uh I'm, I'm working on a book now that deals with army life and uh, it'll be out in a year or two and the uh, and the, the experiences you know that you have are i have a far way and above and beyond more exotic than anything that ever happens say in catch 22 if you really are honest and report them the way they are and one of the great embarrassing moments of my life happened on this occasion I'm in this uh, company, see, in a signal corps. Just happened to be in a signal corps at the time. And uh, later on, I was assigned to the Air Force, uh, this group that I was in. So if you're curious what, what kind of an outfit I was in, it was a strange hybrid group. And uh, it was looked with great distrust upon by the signal corps and never accepted and looked with even more distrust upon by the Air Force. So we were just one of those, you know, hybrid crowds. If you're curious, this was not during World War II, so don't think this. This was after that, which made it even more curious, because there was a lot of strange changes going on, see, at the time. So here I am in this company, Signal Corps, and they have this fantastic school, this tremendous place where they teach guys to do everything from splice wire to operate soldering irons to, to uh, operate long-distance radios, uh, teletype systems, um, UHF link systems and all kinds of very exotic equipment, all sorts of microwave radar stuff. You know, it's very complex. See? And almost every guy in this outfit was a guy who either had uh, an engineer's license, electronic type, or uh, was a graduate engineer, or had plenty of experience building equipment and could prove it. So it was a very esoteric, and almost to a man, this outfit, the guys had thick glasses. <laughs> you know, with IQs of 197, they could all operate log-log desitrig slide rules in their sleep, like other guys can operate golf clubs, you know, that kind of outfit, see? So, and, and, and naturally, the higher the IQ, the more guys gripe. And so uh, this was a very griping crowd. Well, one day, out of the blue, the uh, first sergeant walks out into the company street and starts blowing a whistle. And it just so happened he started to blow the whistle after chow, which is kind of unusual because after chow, you know, after retreat, 
it is generally uh, the Army's uh, custom uh, that you, you you know you got the night off. Well, you, you don't go out unless you got a pass. But you you know you sit around, you get on the PX and that kind of stuff. So immediately after Chow, this guy walks out. Kowalski walks out, starts blowing the whistles, and uh, the corporal runs up and down, and he's banging on the on the bell. All right, let's go, you guys. Come on, fall out. Come on, we're having a formation. Let's go, fall out. So we go charging out into the street, wondering what the hell's happening, you know. And uh, we we start lining up. We fall in. We're all standing out. The guys are half undressed, and other guys, you know, has got one shoe on, one shoe off, and we're all standing around out there. It was kind of a nice, warm spring night, just about, you know, like this time of the year. When Kowalski got a clipboard, I think that guy had that clipboard grafted right onto his arm. I never saw him without it, you know. Got this clipboard and a, and a whistle grafted onto the other arm, you know. And Kowalski says out there in the front of us, all right. Eddie's, you guys, Eddie's. There will be a formation this Saturday. 1300. Immediately following the battalion parade and battalion inspection. 1300, we will fall out on a drill field. Class A, full dress uniform. I want to see clean uniforms. I will inspect you before the formation. If anybody shows up with a dirty shirt, with bad brass, I'm going to bust your you-know-what. Any questions? Any of you guys got laundry you got to get in? Any of you guys don't have no OD shirt that's clean? Let me know down at the orderly room. We'll contact the laundry and have the shirt sent up special. I want clean shirts. Purpose of the formation will be the following. And I quote There will be a formation, 1300, Saturday next, all members of this command. That will include the 27th, the 28th, and the 34th battalions, including all training companies there, too. Purpose of the formation will be the introduction and the first performance of the official Signal Corps song. Now that's all this. That's all this directive says. I want to tell you this, man, on my own. I don't want no laughing. I don't want no snickering. I'll tell you, one of you guys in the second platoon snickers. One of you guys wises off. And boy, I'm going to see nothing but elbows and you know what for weeks. And you don't think I'm going to make it stick, you just try it. You guys heard of company punishment? Well, let me tell you this. You ain't heard of company punishment till you see what I can do when I want to do it. There will be no wising off Saturday. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You are all going to get, in five minutes, a copy of the Signal Corps songs been run off by the Ditto Department down the battalion. This is classified material. And the reason that song was written, I'll tell you, all the other 
branches of the service got songs. Everyone here has heard, off we go, end of the wire, blue yanta. Where do you think the Air Force would ever have gotten in the movies without that song? You don't think for one minute any movie that's ever about the Air Force that does not at one point say, off we go, end of the wire, blue yanta. Even if they just play it, they, they, it's in every movie, right? What about the infantry? The infantry's got a song. You all heard that infantry song? What about this one? All the caissons go rolling along. That's the artillery song. Not one of you has heard the signal corps song because there ain't been none. And that's why the commanding general of this command feels that the morale is lower than a snake's hips in the signal corps because we got no song. And not only that, Every time you guys march past that Air Force encampment down there in Area B, I don't want none of that singing of that Air Corps song and all them raspberries you've been giving them guys. Don't think that has not been noticed. The other day, the wire section, and you guys know who I'm talking about, we're out there in Area B, you guys are walking along, and all of a sudden somebody starts... Off we go, into the wild blue yonder. Quack, 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 quack. We are ducks, we are swimming backwards. We all get all the dough. We get all, all of the medals, and we get all of the promotion, too. I want to tell you, we got a phone call from the commanding general of the second wing. And all I got to say is this. We know who done it. And any of you guys think that you are going to get any kind of break in the T.O. in the future, forget it. You're a PFC, that's what you're going to be. Because you're wised off. You're wised off. Kept your mouth shut, you might have made T5. Open your big yap. You're a PFC and lucky to be that. I can take that stripe away. Now, the corporal will pass out the words to the song. If I hear one wise guy remark about them words, you know where you're going? You're going to the quartermaster. I hear one wise guy remark about them words, and you was going to the quartermaster, and I want to tell you this. You are going to be on a worst rotten garbage disposal outfit that the quartermaster has got to offer. You will be an expert in garbage for the duration plus six, and maybe a year after that. So if you want to carry GI cans around, dumping out potato peelings for the rest of your time in the Army, I can fix it. And it will not be called cruel and unusual punishment. It will be called a legitimate Army transfer. We will be putting you where your talents can get the best use, which is dumping garbage. Now, as of 1300 Saturday next, we will assemble... Area A drill field, 
And I'll tell you why. The commanding general of the Signal Corps is going to be on a stand to hear the first singing by the Signal Corps of the new Signal Corps official song. One more tip. That song was written by the general's wife. I do not have to say nothing else. And a general's wife is going to be standing right there. And if you guys in a wire section, and you're the worst ones, if you guys in a wire section do what you did two weeks ago when you went past that Air Corps, that Air Force encampment out there, and you started to make them noises, that's going to be the last wising off you are ever going to do. And I kid you not. Now, at ease. Are there any questions? Okay. No questions? All you guys would sing tenor, raise your hands. Get their names. Corporal, get their names. All you guys would sing uh, alto, it says here. Alto, raise your hands. I don't know what the hell alto is, but how many of you guys sing alto? Put your hand up. Okay, get their names. All you guys that sing bass, it says here bass. All you guys that sing bass, raise your hand. I presume there are nobody in this company that sings soprano. There better not damn well be. All right. Corporal will hand out the music, take it back to the barracks, and I want it memorized. Memorized. All three verses memorized by Saturday. There will be no extra details for the rest of the week until you memorize it. And I want it memorized. Company, stage, hut, fall out. Well, at that point, our little band of malcontents straggled back into the barracks, each one bearing a mimeographed sheet of paper upon which there were the words of the official U.S. Army Signal Corps song to be sung to the tune of the caissons are rolling along. And that Saturday, we all assembled with brand new shiny brass buttons, beautiful shirts, way down at the other end of the field. The Army, uh, every one of these major fields, of course, has a band. And the official Sigma Corps band with its orange and white flags were flying. And up on this great platform stood the general with his, fla his, his pennant floating with three stars. My God, it was the first time we ever actually saw the general. Three stars. And there was this nice lady in her flowered print dress and a large group of officers around them. And way down at the end, I could hear the battalion major holler, Battalion! Battalion! Ha! Signal car band! Sound off! We all stood at attention. Off we go into the 
off we go into the wild, into the wild blue fields. We are men who march under the Signal Corps banner. We are Signal Corps men all the way through. Yo, we go into the fray. We go armed with our all the way. Let's go. Hooray for the Signal Corps. The yellow, the green, and the blue. All the battalions together, true and true. Now it comes. That was the opening. Yes, we go marching forward with our soldering irons. We carry our flags and our wire comes at the ready. We are men of the U.S. Signal Corps. We wear our banners proudly. We carry our best kids high. Oh, we repair all the wire. We keep them wires humming. We are men of the U.S. Signal Corps. Oh, we keep the soldering irons hot. We keep the oscilloscope going. We are men of the U.S. Signal Corps. Through shot and shell, through uproar and commotion, all the directives say one thing. We are men of the U.S. Army Signal Corps. That, friends, was the single most embarrassing situation I ever found in the U.S. Army. And by the time we arrived at the third or fourth word, it was obvious to everybody. It was the worst song they ever heard. It made the 380 Fishies sound great. <laughs> it was never heard again. Oh. <laughs>